Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, continuing our position preview series. We are, we are cruising right along. We've done quarterback, we've done running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line. This one's going to be the defensive edge position. They are now listed as different positions on Michigan's roster, uh, very different roles. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit, a couple guys who could play both, but... Um, Figured, figured there's enough storylines that this should probably be its own episode. Same format as, as what they have all been. Biggest strengths, biggest question marks, and then make a prediction. Really quickly running through the depth chart. This is probably one of the less concrete depth charts on the entire team. I think there's still, there's still battles to, be, to take place. You know, Mike Morris and Taylor Upshaw are routinely cited first. As, as you know, when, when they're asked about who's standing out at the position, when coaches are asked or players are asked, Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor seem to commonly be the next two. But then after that, there's a lot of very intriguing players. You know, Julius Welshoff, we talked about him last episode. He's a very, very good athlete for his size. Uh, he's 25 years old. He's, he's, this is now the year, I think, where he has the experience. He's been able to refine his technique. You know, TJ guy uh, didn't didn't hear a ton about him as a true freshman last year, but certainly someone in Michigan's long been excited about. Derek Moore, Steve, I know you you've been able to provide some really nice reports for our VIP subscribers over at the MichiganInsider.com. It sounds like Derek Moore is having making an impression in fall camp. You know, someone like Keyshawn Bennett. There's there's a, a couple others, and then of course Yabi Anoma, and we'll talk about him in a moment. Kind of like. In the middle of the night, I mean, you know, kind of out of nowhere, they add Yabi Anoma, former five-star recruit in the 2018 class, but he has had uh, quite a journey being expelled or, or removed from Alabama, kicked off of Houston's team, and then kind of recaptured his footing at Tennessee Martin, listed it on Michigan's roster, six foot five, 244 pounds, so, uh, and, and already practicing. I don't know if I've heard of a transfer situation happening this fast certainly at Michigan but yeah lots of lots of interesting pieces and, and that kind of leads to my strength of this team or this group not a ton known about what they'll be like on the field but this is what I would call a get off the bus group this is a group of players who have the size have the wingspan you know have the the athleticism and I, I I think it's a I think it's a good looking group on that front you know they have a lot of guys who are at the right height and weight to be really effective at the college level at this position. A lot of guys who are six foot five, six foot six, 245, 250, 270 pounds. I mean, there's, they, they have guys who can play different roles, but I, I think ultimately this is, this is not a, gr- a position group where Michigan has to bulk guys up or get guys to shed weight. Like there's not, not as much physical projects. I think the big thing is just finding out who's going to step up consistently and then who's going to have the 
the technique, commitment to the play, you know, the, the hand usage, you know, who's going to get that, that the fundamentals of the, and the, the nuances of the position down to be really effective. So I think it's a, it's a high ceiling group in that respect. I, I, I don't know if we know enough about any of these players to really say much more than that, but Steve, what's your biggest strength of this group? Uh, I do like the seniority and then probably subsequently leadership at the top. I think we talk about Taylor Upshaw as sort of a forgotten man on Michigan's roster. <clears throat> you know, we got to remember Mike Morris, Taylor Upshaw, some of the other guys, they've been playing behind first round picks their entire career. Just about, that's true. Yeah. Right. So now these guys have the, they have a little bit of, they have a bigger stage now. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, write these guys off from being really effective. We just haven't seen it yet. But like I said, the reason we haven't seen it is because of the guys they've been playing behind. I mean, Michigan's production at edge is more pronounced than I think people really realize uh, year in, year out. So I think at the top, you know, I like these two guys being the leaders and, and the fact that they're both like Morse is in his fourth year, Upshaw in his fifth year. You know, we've seen a lot of guys come through and have really productive years in their fourth and fifth seasons when they've been sitting behind. I mean, if you're Michigan, this is, isn't this kind of sort of what you want? You know, like if you're going to lose Aiden Hutchinson and, and David Ajabo uh, to replace them with two, a fourth year and a fifth year guy with a lot of untapped potential and talent behind it. Uh, I feel like you're, you're in a, in a, maybe a better position than, than people realize. Now, again, we haven't seen it yet. So will they come to the table? Will they, will they show it? We don't know yet. Uh, but these are guys who have, have been in the program for, for years now, understand what Jim Harbaugh expects. You wonder, you know, one thing I kind of keep going back to with, especially particularly with the edge, but defensively as a whole, is so that we talk about how Hutchinson didn't get to where he's gotten now off sheer talent alone, right? I mean, obviously we know that the combine numbers, he's super talented. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but there was also that wherewithal, that that work ethic in the off season, you know, you got to think that resonates with, with a guy like Upshaw or a guy like Morris in particular to kind of keep that going, you know? So, that, so I guess, yeah, that seniority at the top and then what those guys could provide, I think is, is it's at least, I think it's a, I'd say it's a good foundation for the position, you know, and then, and then, yeah, we, there, we'll be talking about some of the other guys that, that may, you know, the higher ceiling type guys or whatever potentially, but, but yeah, I think having two seniors to replace two departing, I'm just going to call a job of a first round pick. Uh, he played at a first round level, you know, yeah, you might as right? well I think to have, to have two first round level guys depart. You know, I think you could be in a much worse position than replacing them with a fourth and fifth year guy you know, who have been playing behind pro level players, their entire career, literally their entire career. Yeah. And I think it raises the floor of the group. Like, I don't think there's a scenario where Michigan is just awful at edge. I think there is a scenario where it's a weak point of the team, but I don't think, yeah, I think with a bit more seniority, I think the, the worst case scenario is more, Oh, this guy wasn't effective or, Oh, they didn't get quite enough pressure. Not, they got no pressure and there were boneheaded penalties and mistakes all over the place. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a noteworthy strength. Odds, biggest question marks, you know, before 
before the last week, I think the biggest question mark would have been who's going to step up. Will anyone be you elevate their game similar to an Ajabo or similar to Aiden Hutchinson? Now it's the Ayabi Anoma thing. It has to be. That is the biggest question mark. Maybe you know, in terms of curiosity on the entire team. This was a guy whose physical abilities have never been in question. He was a top five recruit. You know, great bend, great athleticism, great uh, movement as an athlete, great edge rusher out of St. Francis, coached by Biff Pogi. I, I presume that's the primary connection to this. Uh, was recruited hard by Michigan. Steve, I'm sure you'll talk about that. But you know, the physical part's never been the issue. It's been you know, kind of what he's done since he got to campus. Expelled by Alabama, kicked off Houston. I think the common denominator uh, has been maturity. Not nothing legal, nothing um, you know in, in that realm, but more just someone who probably needed to grow up. And and you know, to to his credit, it sounds like he did. You know, he's older now. He has a degree. He got enrolled at Michigan. Um, even if it is easier for graduate transfers to enroll at Michigan, it's still not nothing. Uh, and speaks to to how far he's come. But yeah, really fascinating to to try to gauge what kind of fit he is in, in Michigan's position group because there's there's room for someone with his ceiling. I mean, there is like there's there's other talented players, but if he reaches his capabilities, he is the best player in that position group. At the same time, you know, he had six sacks in the last three seasons, and they were for Tennessee Martin last season, and and you can't ignore that at one point he was a, a major locker room liability for Alabama, who obviously they know how to run a football program, and then and then Houston, who I would say does as well, even if they're in the AAC. So uh, that's, it can't be ignored the locker room component because Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, they love their culture right now. I suspect they would not have added Anoma unless they had some sort of pretty legitimate verification that that he was going to be an asset more than a liability in terms of locker room, team culture, um, how he fits into the room because Michigan does feel very good about their culture. Um, They felt good about it last season. You saw the proof on the field. And it, it feels like, from all the press conferences, from what everyone's saying, I think it's 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 similar. And and in addition to the locker room part, he is joining fall camp halfway through. They have a little bit more time this year. You know, we we've talked about this, Steve. The the early September schedule that's going to allow them to experiment more with lineups. We've talked about it on the offensive side, but but on the defensive side too. You know, they get to kind of see who's who's going to show up on Main Street. That's always the proverbial thing you know show up on state street for practice and then deliver on, on main street for the games so uh, gonna be interesting to see how he fits and how long it takes for him to acclimate steve your general thoughts on michigan's surprise edition of yabi anoma i also realized i've been doing this for 10 plus years now which was crazy when i first realized that feels like it's been longer um definitely the most like the most shocking or surprising roster addition subtraction commitment decommitment that I can ever remember uh, from doing this just knowing Anoma's history uh, as it's just a yeah a guy that just really wasn't finding a fit particularly like more of the locker room type fit or whatever that being said with the emphasis Michigan's put on culture and and you know we again I'm not like 
I looked at this, I think I compared it to when they added Dalen Baldwin to the wide receiver room where it's like, you know, they're they're They seem like they were all right at edge, but it doesn't hurt. Like the way that Harbaugh always seems to approach the transfer portal is we'll take a guy at any position. Like if, if this guy makes our roster better one through one fifteen or whatever the roster limit is, we'll, we'll take them regardless of the position. Even if we were pretty strong, you know, like last year, like Michigan didn't really need Dalen Baldwin necessarily. Right. I mean, but he was that good. Uh, he impressed them that much. They take them on kind of feel like, It'd be similar here with Anoma in terms of just the just the pure upside. I think his upside may be bigger than Baldwin's was last year at the receiver position. Just shocking to me that 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 this was <laughs> you know, we had a little bit of definitely had a little bit of egg on my face on that one. Uh, but that's egg I'm willing to take just because I just don't think anybody if anybody said they saw this coming, I think they were full of crap. So he does raise the ceiling of the position, I think, almost immediately. There have been wildly varying levels of excitement. Um, none, like, super, like, negative or down on what he can bring. But, like, some people think he can really change the dynamic of that room and can be a, a force. I mean, he is on NFL draft. You know, he's been on, mentioned on NFL draft boards, NFL draft sites. Heading into the season, I think pro football focus is very high on him. They've always been high on Michigan's edge rushers. So, just that, yeah fascinating addition. I mean, still can't quite wrap my head around it, given how his recruitment played out and just, you know, I guess the first thing that came to my mind was I wonder if he want, if he feels like if, if things would be different for him, if he had committed to Michigan in the first place, because it was, he chose Alabama pretty much over Michigan. Uh, can't even remember who else was involved there, but I know Michigan for a while felt pretty good there. And I, I do believe, and I think someone even mentioned this on the board. I want to say Biff Poji said that Anoma is the best, pure player best yep. pure Said prospect that. and player that he's that he coached at St. Francis or at probably at Gilman you know he was the head coach at Gilman for years and pumped out a ton of D1 power five guys there so hard to ignore the potential he provides and it might as a spot like edge it might not take as long to get acclimated as it would at like backer or safety or you know something like that you know it's really a lot of it's going to be just get if he's a scenario type guy it's just get after the quarterback that might be something where he excels right away. You know, it just remains to yeah. be seen, but, but man, you know, just honestly can't quite wrap my head around the fact he's on Michigan's roster now. Yeah. I think in terms of his role, I, I do think they're kind of going to look at the David Ajabo role last season. Cause the, quietly Ajabo didn't actually play a ton of run, run snaps. You know, Jalen Harrell played more snaps than him in the orange bowl. And so I think I think they're kind of looking at Ajabo as the blueprint because I think over time, I think Yabi Adoma has a chance to be a really good run defender. But I think right now his the trait that he has over the other edge defenders on the team is uh, athletic gifts and ability to get to the quarterback. So they just pin his ears back and say, go get a quarterback right, right now. Kind of think there's a possibility there. And yeah, obviously still some questions. Uh, that, that he's just going to have to answer by, you know, day-to-day consistency. Um, you know, he's in a he's in a good situation because he's committing to a, a head coach that he's familiar with. He's commit, you know, his Biff Pogey's obviously around the pro- program. I think he lists himself as an associate head coach or something of that nature. Um, 
you know, that was his high school coach. So there's, there's some familiarity, there's some comfort and, and Michigan does, you know, Jim Harbaugh takes culture very seriously right now. I think he really believes in that impact on the 2021 success. I don't think he's jeopardizing it over a guy who had six sacks in the FCS level, unless he really thinks that this could be a good fit. So um, fascinating pickup, but yeah, that's, that's my biggest question. Steve, did you have another question about the edge position group or any question marks on your mind? I mean, general who's going to generate pass rush and, and, and sacks is probably a, a common one. Most of, most of people who follow Michigan football would have. I want to see more about, there's two guys in particular, but, but Jalen Harrell, very like a guy that again, much like Taylor Upshaw quietly played a ton of snaps last year. Right. And, and really a guy that never gets talked about kind of wondering what his ceiling might be as an all around edge prospect. I think he's been, he's mostly been kind of a run specialist or a guy I think they put in on, on to try to stop the run, but is he a guy that can provide some actual pass rush too? You know, I think that'll be kind of interesting, slightly undersized at the position, but, but not, you know, to the extreme. I mean, was he he's still? a fair size for a Sam linebacker role. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like, so, I think there, there's two different types of edge rushers that Michigan can have. Yes. I think he could fit that Sam role. I agree. And then the other one is Braden McGregor. Third year, the injuries long in the rearview mirror now. And as a guy, so I, I sort of, I haven't done like a, it's kind of late for a sleepers thing, but he's one guy I've asked about and mentioned like, you know, would he be a good sleeper pick? And I was, I was given the affirmative sleeper pick to me, not, you know, we've talked a lot about Brandon McGregor sleeper pick to me is the like guy that can become someone we're talking about in a game recap or something like that. Not just a guy we don't talk about who makes some plays every once in a while, like talking about a guy who produces. So, you know, McGregor and, and, um, Harrell are the two guys that I've kind of had my eye on most. Yeah, we talked, you mentioned Derek Moore earlier. First name out of at least what, two, two people that I talked to as far as who's been standing out in fall camp. He was the first name mentioned. Uh, regardless of position, take that for what you will. Edge, unlike D-line, we did the D-line episode. Edge is a spot I think you can find a freshman who can do some major damage and can be a contributor. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different. So definitely a name to keep in mind. But for me, I have the biggest questions that, yeah, can, can uh, Jalen Harrell, can he produce like in a pass rush type situation or yeah, use him as like a stand up rush edge or edge rush type guy. And then, and then Braden McGregor, is he going to put it together this year? You know, he looked, I thought he looked, he looked pretty good, you know, in, in his, in the opportunities he got last year, it was sort of a thing where it's like always just a half step. And I feel like half steps are things that you can develop in the offseason. That's what the offseason is for, to get a half step faster, to get a full step faster. So looked like a guy was putting himself in the right position consistently, just wasn't quite there. So I'm interested to see, you know, if he does kind of take that next step. Literally, I guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about steps, but. Yeah, no, I, I think. Those are three very fascinating players. For my prediction, I'm actually going to go back to someone that we've already talked about, and I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. My prediction for the edge group is I think Taylor Upshaw will 
lead the team in sacks this season. He'll certainly lead this position group, but I, I'm willing to take it to the whole defense. I think uh, I'm sold on him as a pass rusher. You know, I, I know he lost his job. You know, he was a starter at the beginning of last season, lost it to, to Jabo. No shame in that. That can't be. I, if you're using that to disqualify him from being good this fall, the, I, there's some. There's, it's a logical fallacy, really. I mean, just the way Ajabo played, pretty much there's like five guys in the country who wouldn't have lost their starting job to David Ajabo. So um, I'm sold on him. Mean, even when he did play, he he actually was pretty effective. I, I think I had him. Uh, I think you know among the 300 edge rushers that I you know that played enough snaps for Pro Football Focus. I think he was like 45th in pass rushing productivity. So, and he had two and a half sacks, which is not a ton, but if you factor in the snap count, who was ahead of him, you know, the situations that he was coming into, uh, he was, he was effective when he was out there and, and asked to get after the quarterback. And, and I kind of, I mean, he's like an Ajabo light, I suppose. Like he didn't play despite his dad being a pretty darn good football player, didn't play a ton of football growing up. You know, he was he and his brother Reagan, who um, also peaked later in his career at Clemson. You know, they played stuff. They played rugby. They played ice hockey. They played other sports. Um, so I think he's just a really crafty player. You know, he's, he's six foot five, which doesn't hurt. You know, he's obviously has great athleticism. But but I think, you know, compared to maybe other people in this room, I think he he I think he really knows how to use his hands. I think he really knows how to use leverage. Um Pretty good bend. I don't think it's like I don't think scouts are necessarily drooling over, you know, his athletic capabilities. But I think he's very crafty as a pass rusher, and I think I think that senior leadership um, or that senior experience, even I think that's going to help him. You know, I think that's going to help him one get on the field more, but also be really effective when he's out there. You know, he's not going to be phased by certain situations. Um, the other part, and the reason why you know Mike Morris is getting a lot of hype too, but I, I kind of see a a, a Winovich Gary situation here. Like everyone always wondered why Chase Winovich had more sacks than Rashawn Gary. And it's because he was lighter and he just got to the quarterback quicker. A lot of times. Um, I think there'll be something similar, maybe not at the, the level that Winovich and Gary played, but you know, Morris, Morris is 35 pounds heavier than Upshaw. So that's why I'm taking Upshaw to lead the team in sacks this season. I think he's, he's got the skills. And, and also I think, I think, you know, on plays where multiple guys might get the quarterback, I think he's going to be able to get there first. So um, I don't know how bold that is. Maybe it's not that bold, but but Steve, what's your prediction for this room? I'm talking myself into a Noma, maybe hitting the, not the peak, but maybe the higher end of the excitement level as far as what people think he could do for the for Michigan this season. I just, like I said, NFL is already kind of keeping an eye on him. I just, there's a part of me that just doesn't think Michigan would have gone this direction unless they really thought he could be an impact player for them. It just, I don't want to say this move seems out of character, but it kind of like, it's just, it's, I think it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, you know, and, and to me, that's where I, I guess that's one of those things where I would lean, have a little bit of trust in what, you know, between Harbaugh, Biff Pogey, who you have to 1,000% assume was was a major factor in at least convincing Jim and maybe the other staff, whoever he needed to convince that this was a risk. And I hate calling him, a, calling him a risk. He hasn't been like a legal issue or anything. Like he just is a 
I think a kid who just hasn't really. I think maturity was just yeah, the, right. The and, denominator and, for his his issues. Right. We could ask Isaiah about that, but you know, I I think yeah, I, I just I think he's going to maybe reach a little more towards the higher end of what people are expecting because, like I said, I just it does this move. This just seems like a you know just something I would not have expected Harbaugh Michigan to a move or a direction to go. The fact that they did it to me says they really think that there's a possibility here that he could be a big, an impact player for them. You know, and again, like you said, I think one of the big keys, and and this is something we could probably repeat every episode, particularly when we're talking about, when you're talking about like the two deep, whatever is that they're going to have time this year to figure stuff out because there's almost no way they're not four and oh heading into Iowa city. Right. I mean, and that that's probably the first year I can remember where we can really say that with confidence. I mean, great. They haven't been four and <laughs> coming out of the, like, in, in, except for uh, last season. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you know, I, I really think you, you cannot underestimate the value of, of that too, when it comes to stuff like this. So they don't need a guy to come out on fire against Notre Dame in week two in South Bend. Right. I mean, that's like, that's sort of been the norm, whether it's Notre Dame or whoever. Uh, but anyway, I think, I do think, I do think that this was a, a had to been is a calculated risk that I think they believe is going to pay off and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and, and say that I agree. Yeah. I think, I think the more I had thought about it, cause obviously I did a breakdown on kind of, what to expect from him and everything is, and I'm, I'm with you. The swiftness that Michigan pursued and ultimately landed in Oma makes me think that they, they think they got something that the rest of the country is going to be kicking themselves for not getting like, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of like some of those times where Michigan goes all in on a, a recruit. Nobody's ever heard of like Hassan Haskins or Ronnie Bell you know, and they're just all in and it's just like immediate, you know, forget, forget what the optics are. They, they are all in on this. So I'm you know, curious to hear more about from the coaches and, and, you know, the te- and his teammates and everything as once he starts, you know, practicing with the pads and everything, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of intrigue there. A lot of intrigue on this whole room in general. So be sure. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously revisit it uh, when, when the games happen, but this is a, this is a fascinating position group to preview. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our preview stories of every position group over at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We also have fall camp reports, both stuff from press conferences uh, as well as stuff that, that is being heard behind the scenes. So be sure to subscribe and check all that out. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time for the linebacker episode. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 